0: Welcome to Establish the Edge. I'm your host, Mike Leone. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've done an episode, enjoying the off-season a bit. We're going to start churning out one to two episodes a week. A lot of stuff's going to be focused on either Dynasty or Best Ball this time of year, but I might you know, pipe in with some DFS review type of content. I did want to do a DFS tournament review at the end of last year, and then uh, things got kind of crazy with how Week 17 played out and everything. and never, never quite got to it, but for today's episode, I have Anthony Amico on to kind of give us a first look at what your first round rookie draft is going to look like in Dynasty. Before we get into that, I want to note that this podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Check out Underdog Fantasy. They've already got best ball contests rolling for next season. We've got rankings done by Justin Herzig up for those. I'll probably try and get him on the podcast soon. If you use promo code ETR and you have not deposited there before, you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. So take advantage of that bonus. Use promo code ETR. Without further ado, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I've got the ranks on the screen, but we'll talk through them um, via audio. So if you're just a podcast listener, you'll be able to track and follow. But the man behind the ranks joins me, Anthony Amico. Thanks for coming on the show course man love, love talking
1: dynasty i mean this is my favorite like two and a half months of the year so i'm, I'm pumped
0: i i told amiko prior to the show that i know absolutely nothing and so far about about the rookies so he's the expert here uh absolutely i'm just gonna kind of pick his brain in particular me and drew dinkmeyer want to know what to do in our dynasty league so i just <laughs> under the guise of an entire podcast i brought amiko on to uh help us solve that that question but first look for and we'll look at this mostly from a super flex tight end premium standpoint because it's a bit more dynamic a bit more more interesting and you've got two quarterbacks at the top of the board in cj stroud and bryce young i feel like i've seen Bijan robinson the top running back in this class who you noted is the best running back prospect since barkley as like the consensus number one even in super flex tight end premium you know I guess a lot of people probably at the top will will draft by need, but do you see that as kind of like one like the first tier of these three guys?
1: Yeah, and I and I think that Bijan is probably like the consensus 101 in leagues right now. Like I I think that, you know, it, it, people who have been discussing trading those picks or acquiring those picks, you know, it's basically penciled in that's gonna be Bijan now. I mean, we take a I think a pretty heavy anti-running back approach in the rankings. Like we are a really conservative running back. Um, but we have Bijan as our top dynasty running back overall in the, in the full rankings. So we're definitely high on him. I, I just, I think I'm waffling here with the the quarterback stuff, just because like the position is just so much more valuable in super flex that like, if you hit like, I, I feel like we just did this like two years ago or three years ago with Burrow and then like Jonathan Taylor and, and CEH. And it was like, you know, I think Burrow probably more accomplished than these guys, but, um, you know, Burrow obviously was a, was a dunk there, like looking back.
0: Yeah, and at the time, it was kind of like, I, I don't know if he's the, you know, I think people are overvaluing the quarterback position taking a yeah. of these guys. And and now it just seems so obvious. You've got a locked-in 10-year, top-10 court fantasy quarterback for 10 years, which is just insane, uh, versus... You know, one running back who's basically dust and done, and another guy who's coming off, you know, a really difficult season. So that is a good comp. It's good. It's good to keep that in mind. But I will point out, as as you said, we're generally a bit lower on running backs in dynasty than the market. So sometimes, if you're in need of a running back and you can get one, where we have it as like a small stretch, sometimes it's worth doing that. You know, to get your running back when you're sacrificing the least amount of value. I'm just understanding that probably your league mates, you know, if you're using ETR are going to value running backs more than us. Um, So, yeah, it's an interesting top three between the two quarterbacks, Stroud and Young. I mean, obviously it's it's one tier. Um, I'm assuming like draft capital landing spot. Could that flip these two guys or you think Stroud will stay ahead of Young almost regardless, you know, barring anything crazy happening in the draft? I mean, I think the quarterbacks overall are really, really tough right now. Um,
1: You know, I I tier these two guys together just because I feel like they're the two that have the least amount of questions, at least like from the things that I'm reading and and what I'm seeing. Um, And I'm favoring Stroud a little bit right now just because he has the prototypical size that, that Young doesn't. So I think he just probably just has like less questions overall. Now, I mean, that could easily change. I mean, I think the top four quarterbacks in the rankings completely could change over the next couple of months, just as we learn more and we see where these guys land, uh, definitely landing spot, I think is going to matter a good bit. Uh, and, and we're just going to learn a lot more. Like, I think that, you know, when you have four quarterbacks that are likely to be like in the top half of the draft of the first round there, the scrutiny, I think is going to be really, really uh, dynamic. Like, I think there's just going to be a lot of questions that get answered or, or, or maybe just additional questions that get po- posed that we're not thinking about right now. So I don't really have like a – I'm not very strongly convicted. I think like right now, you know, I have these two guys ahead of Bijan because I just think that like I'm more trying to make a statement in our rankings that like I think it's pretty likely that there's going to be some quarterback that in two months we like – we want really bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I think it might be one of these two guys for now, but it wouldn't surprise me if like Levis or, or Richardson came up as well.
0: Okay, and we'll get into those guys a bit because there, there are a lot of QB options if you're QB needy. Um, just to give people a frame of reference, these top three guys, Stroud, Young, and Robinson in our overall ranks. Um, as you mentioned, we have Robinson as an RB1 just ahead of Travis Etienne. Young and Stroud, we have them at QB11 and QB13, respectively. Sandwiched in between them is Deshaun Watson as QB12. And um, that that's around the early 20s in our overall rankings. So people have some idea if they're thinking of trading in, trading out, what sort of value they're looking at. Next week, you know, we we love wide receivers at ETR, top rookie wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who from Ohio State seemed like going into last year, it was like this is the guy you want the number one overall rookie pick to get this guy. Um he had the insane you know, playoff game uh, in the college playoffs for Ohio State, as you noted, played step for step with Olave and, and Garrett Wilson in 2021. It's always good to see when teammates succeed immediately at the NFL level, and you were as a younger player keeping pace with them. That's a really good sign. But Amico, he had, he had a really weird year uh, injury plagued, didn't play a lot, wasn't super successful. I mean, it seems, it seems like a tough eval to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is basically the George Pickens thing, but I think we have probably more information overall, like where he, he basically didn't play. I mean, he has stats for this year, but I, I think for all intents and purposes, like he did not play in 2022. Um, and we have like a, what I would consider to be like a really interesting dynamic with, with JSN, because he really only played in the slot at Ohio state, but you know, he was doing that with literally the two best rookie receivers That we had last year probably on the outside so it's like how much of that like i you know one of the comps that comes up in 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 our modeling stuff is is justin jefferson and the, the range of outcomes for for him overall i think is really wide but the jefferson comp in particular is interesting to me because i felt like when jefferson came out we had this question of like you know well he only plays in the slot and we found out in the NFL level that he was able to play outside as well. And obviously now is one of the best receivers in the league. So I, I think that the question for JSN is that like, you know, is he playing a slot guy because he's only a slot or, or was he playing the slot just because that's the way the team broke down. And, and at the NFL level now, he's going to give you some outside steps as well. So, um, you know, these Ohio state guys, I mean, they, they hyped him up pretty consistently. Like I, Wilson and Olave say that he's the best one of them. Like I, that carries a little bit of weight with me, not a ton, but the fact that he was kind of like step for step with them statistically is, is pretty important. And he was obviously the youngest of them when he did it. So right now I think we're taking a pretty bullish uh, stance on him, but you know, again, I think the athletic testing is going to be pretty important and and we'll see kind of how the stock develops because I I don't think that like all the NFL draft stuff that I read, he's really not even consideration for the first receiver off the board. Like it sounds like he's probably Mm going to go in the first round, but like none of these like, top pundits have him as the top receiver so I, I think that that's interesting
0: yeah and it's also interesting that you have this as a pretty big second tier you know if we look at where these guys rank in our overall rank, so you got jsn leading that then jameer gibbs we'll talk about in a second but anthony richardson will leave us as quarterbacks then jordan addison josh downs you have all these guys in our in the 40s in our overall ranking so scrunched together pretty closely that's that's a big tier, what that's um, like five guys. So fourth spots, four through, actually six guys, right? Spots four through nine in our ranking. So uh, do you think the rest of the market has as big of a second tier? I know a lot of this stuff's going to shake out differently when we get closer to the NFL draft. And especially if people are drafting after the NFL draft and we have draft status. But as of right now, do you think you know people have this flat second tier? Or do you think it's more cliff drop-offs along the way for the market?
1: Um, I mean, I think that I think Gibbs, JSN and the quarterbacks probably are like pretty consensus in, in a group. I'm not sure if those if that next group of receivers makes it in, and if they do, it might be more Quentin Johnston than the guys that we have. So I think that that might be a differentiating point uh, for us towards the end of this tier. But I think the top of it is is fairly consensus right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Gibbs, who is the only other running back we have right now with a first round rookie draft rank in superflex tight end premium. Yeah. I mean,
1: he's just the modern back. Like I, I when I think of the running backs in this class, like obviously Bijan is a three down guy that can do a lot of things, but Gibbs is someone that, you know, maybe 10 years ago wouldn't have been as valuable. And now has the potential to go in the first round just because his pass catching ability is so good. Uh, he's going to test well athletically, definitely fast, definitely quick. He was very dynamic, you know, and he made the move to go from Georgia tech to Alabama, which allowed him to put like a lot of his skills on display, you know, in front of like the national audience. So, you know, for us in a lot of the comp stuff, you know, Gibbs comes out a shade below Bijan. Um, it, I think a lot of the math stuff probably has it pretty close. Um, a lot of the scouting stuff probably has it a little further apart, but again, like both of these guys could go in round one, so it's not too far. Um, so I think the landing spot probably is going to matter more for Gibbs. I have less confidence that he is going to be a three down guy. Um, you know, it's possible that he's basically like a, like he ends up being like a swift kind of, you know, third down plus. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the risk, but
0: I mean, everything looks really good. Yeah, and we've seen as NFL teams get smarter drafting running backs, you know they're going more at the back end of the first round, which is you know slightly less draft capital to you know justify throwing them into a full workload right away. It's also a bit more of a question mark as far as the team they land on. You know sometimes they're landing on good teams that aren't necessarily looking for a bell cow running back. And um, as you mentioned with like Bijan, that's probably not a concern. But uh, it's been an interesting wrinkle I feel like in trying to evaluate the running backs the last few seasons uh I know Dink and I in our one FFPC draft where we basically tanked the startup last year managed to have the best regular season of the tanking teams but then did the worst in the consolation playoffs which for FFPC is how they determine the draft order. So we wow. finished, we got the sixth pick. We got the sixth and seventh pick. Dink's panicking. We're not going to get a running back. I'm like, whatever. You know, I don't really care too much. Looks like we're going to end up with one of these quarterbacks. I think like Anthony Richardson looks like the type of guy we play, like really high upside quarterback, but definitely some uncertainty surrounding him. And again, I don't do the, the college scouting as much as, a lot of other people I'm sort of like trying to synthesize information from you and other people but I know I was being told last year like you got to get the 102 from Malik Willis because of the upside and and we all saw how that played out so um, I have no idea if that's a comp to Richardson but when I just hear like high upside but but raw and some uncertainty you know it, it does have me flashback a little bit to to last off season when we were way too high on um the community dynasty fantasy community in general, Malik Willis prior to the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean I, I feel a little
1: guilty because I, I I wasn't super high, Malik, and I capitulated a little bit and, and then <laughs> and then it ended up being wrong. So um but I think the the parallels with Richardson are interesting. I mean, I think that the simplest way to put it would just be like Richardson is the guy we wanted Malik to be he's significantly mm-hmm. younger. Like he's a three-year player. Malik was a five. Um, you know, he played in the power five. I, I, I mean, it, I bet, him, like, I bet him like the first week of the college season to go first overall, because I saw, I was watching him play against Utah and I was like, Oh my gosh, like this guy's amazing. Like, yeah, he has all the stuff, like all the, the body stuff that like Bryce Young doesn't have, like Richardson has it in spades. Like, 6'3, 230. Like he is probably going to run like a four or five or better. Like this is, he is a dude. The question is like, you know, he's played one year as a starter basically. And, uh, you know, the numbers were kind of hit or miss, but the guys that, that I would say surface surface level that he would compare most similarly to would be like Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, the guys who were young, um, who had, Decent, but not amazing efficiency uh, and produced on the ground. So I think that that's kind of like what we're looking at here, Um, which is not to say like, I I don't want to like do the thing where we're like, Oh, like he could be the next Josh Allen. That's like, not really what I'm getting at. I just mean that like, he has all these like really impressive physical tools. He has a baseline level of production. And then the question is like, can he actually put it together? So I think the landing spot is going to be maybe the most important for him. Um, We really want to see him go to a, a a good coaching staff that would understand how to utilize him. And, uh, you know, I I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna rise. So I, I I was super conflicted here because I, I really want to put this tier of quarterbacks above like JSN and Gibbs. Um, and I might in our next update, but it's, it's just so, it's just so close and so tough because I think that these two guys have significantly more questions than the guys at the top. And I think, Balancing that risk of QB failure versus like the certainty of what you're gonna get from these position players is, is really tough.
0: Yeah. And the other quarterback, is it is it Levis or Levis?
1: I've been saying Levis all year, and now all the draft pods I listen to say Levis, so I'm gonna assume okay. that I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I
0: want to say Levis, and I'm usually wrong by default, so I assumed it must be Levis. <laughs> uh but Levis, canon of an arm, he's the type of guy that seems like the NFL people fall in love with. What are you seeing here from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, I mean, he might go first. Like,
1: like he legitimately could be the first pick. And then I think dynasty-wise, we have some really interesting conversation just because, you know, what we think about these players usually ends up affecting the market a lot more than it should, uh, especially at quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, he produced as a runner at Kentucky, so there is some baseline level of, of rushing ability. We didn't really see it this year just because, the team was not very good around him. The offensive line wasn't very good. He was throwing to true freshman receivers last year in 2021. He was way more, he was, he he looked a lot better, I think, uh, overall. So I think there is some question there. Uh, he's older, you know, he's, he's another one of these like fifth year transfer guys, which, you know, we got burrow out of that. We also had, you know, Baker, we'll see what happens with Pickett. Um, you know, I think that he's probably like, if you could just imagine Pickett having like better physical traits, like I think that's kind of like what we're looking at in terms of like the, the range of outcomes, the question marks, stuff like that. So I'm trying to be, I, I would consider myself to be more pro-Levis than the market or Levis overall, mm-hmm. just because I, I think that if we just if we just middle these opinions, like we just end up being right more often than not um you know that didn't work work out like two years ago with
0: Zach Wilson that didn't work out but
1: I'll take another shot here probably
0: that's what I say you know with Zach Wilson I felt like the market was overconfident he was going to be terrible for the guy who went second overall and where he went and the market ended up being right but we also had Herbert Fall in Superflex tight end premium rookie drafts to the back end of the first round um Josh Allen was someone that myself and a lot of people were like way too hard on coming out. So even though Wilson's the guy that sticks out in recent memory as a big divide between draft capital and and how good, like kind of the fantasy market felt he was and it was win for the fantasy market overall. Yeah, probably we don't put enough stock into to the actual draft capital looking at this next tier wide receivers you've got Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, a little ahead of Quentin Johnson noted that you think Johnson is the guy that the market is going to prefer. once you break down kind of why you have Addison and Downs ahead of him?
1: Yeah. So, I mean like on physical traits, like height, weight, Johnson is, is the only guy that, that has like the prototypical size. And that's why I think the market is probably going to favor him. And he's not going to test poorly. Like it's not like he's going to run like a four, six. I don't think so. I think people will find themselves drawn to him, but the, the Addison Downs profile is just so, I think it's exciting in the modern NFL. I mean, we, we already saw Devontae Smith come in a, a little skinnier than I think people would have liked and, and just done really well just because he's so skilled and, and the way the rules are now. Addison and Downs are very fast. I think they're going to rip the forty. Um, you know, Addison's a Blitnikov guy, which I, typically the young Blitnikov winners like end up panning out. They're, they're, if you look at the list, like it's almost all hits, especially like if that guy ended up being like a first-round pick, um, which Addison will be. Uh, broke out last year er, in 2021 with Kenny Pickett, and then this year was playing with Caleb Williams. So he's kind of like, he, he's kind of like hit the jackpot in terms of the quarterback throwing the ball, but he's been super productive. Downs, uh, you know, true freshman breakout, which we don't really have too many of those overall, uh, and has produced for three years. So in our stuff, like Downs is a little bit of an arbitrage play on on Addison. I think that he's going to be a little bit lower probably in the market, but I think these guys are like neck and
0: neck, and I think that they're super exciting. Yeah, and then you have Jalen Hyatt behind those three and noted that he could be the first wide receiver off the board with this ranking right now. I'm assuming you're taking into account that possibility, but he he would slide up if he was indeed the first wide receiver off the board, or do you think he would stay put?
1: So Hyatt is kind of just like, this is the Jamison Williams problem, where it's like, I think he's probably going to be pretty valuable wherever he goes to an NFL team. I'm just not sure how that translates to fantasy because he's going to be this like deep target. Like he's probably going to have a high A dot. He's going to run a lot of go routes, but it's like, what he's doing for your, for your team is not necessarily what he's doing for fantasy. So I I just kind of, it's just, it's just not a blind spot, but it's just like an area that I think I struggle with quantifying. Um, And the comp stuff for him Mm -hmm. isn't like amazing, even though he is again, a three-year guy with a breakout. It's like kind of our perfect, like the the kind of group that we like. Um,
0: Yeah. And Jamison Williams is really interesting to figure out what to do with this off season, because he flashed on those big plays, which is really valuable to an NFL team, as you noted, but, I could see where people could possibly get a little overhyped on that if he's not going to get the volume, but um, he's he's going to be someone that's going to be tough to project in redraft and redraft in Dynasty for the 2023 season. Uh, looking at these wide receivers too, again, to give you some comps to vets is like where we're talking about. You mentioned that down sort of ended what we have our second tier of rookies at, that, which is like 47th overall. This is where we've got Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, which were, again, a little bit lower than the market on running backs. So sort of these these running backs that are pretty safe for value for the next year, but they all have risk looking forward. And then Marquise Brown as a good wide receiver comp. When we start dropping down to Johnston and, and Jalen Hyatt, um, we're into the 60s in our rankings. So like Jerry Judy is a pretty good comp, Debo Samuel, just to give people – uh, a heads up as we're rounding out the first round of what the ETR rookie super flex head in premium draft would look like. We've got Zay Flowers rounding it out, but also want to talk about Michael Mayer, who's our first tight end three-year player, which it sounds like when we were talking in Slack, that that's a pretty unique thing for a tight end. And then uh, we'll let you talk about Tyler Scott, who I know you are definitely higher on than the market. Yeah, so I mean, I'll talk, I'll talk mayor first just because I I think the
1: tight end stuff this year. I mean, uh, across the board, just as an overall statement, like, I I think that we're getting a lot of really good value at quarterback, at receiver, and at tight end. And I think that all three of those positions like desperately need it. Like, when I'm doing the rankings and I'm going through the the positions overall, like, there's a point, like, pretty early where wide receiver gets ugly. Like, Mm -hmm. quarterback is like a disaster after the top, like, 12, 12 or so guys. Um, and tight end. I, I, I mean, my goodness, like Travis Kelsey doubled up like <laughs> is like doubling up top guys at the position. So like, we need these, we need these guys and we need them to hit. Um, so they could command a lot of value right away, but you know, mayor is nice because he's going to go in the first round. He's a three-year guy which we just don't have a lot of those and typically they end up being pretty successful. Um, and he has a really good history of production like i, I think that you know this Brock Bowers guy at Georgia is coming out uh next year he gets a ton of love but like mayor was like the original Brock Bowers where he was just producing so much and it's hard to find that in college it's hard to find guys who can hit like the receiver dominator levels as t- a tight end um so i, I think that like tight end premium, like I think you can make a good argument that he should maybe even be a little higher. Um, but what's interesting at the position is again, we have this weird thing that we have with um, uh, in a couple of other spots where like mayor is not the consensus tight end one on the NFL boards. Like it sounds like, you know, Dalton Kincaid is getting love. Uh, Musgrave is getting love. Um, Darnell Washington out of Georgia. Like, so it's possible that he's not the first
0: tight end off the board, but I do feel really confident that he's probably the best fantasy asset. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. And then uh, rounding out the wide receivers here, flowers and Scott, any notes on them? Yeah. I mean, flowers four year guy, like uh, flowers
1: is very similar to like downs and Addison, but he has the fourth year. Um, You know, I mean, his draft range I think is still pretty similar. Like if he was the first receiver off the board, it wouldn't floor me. Yeah. And why don't you
0: tell people a little bit about like, historically the difference between third year and four year guys for people who might be kind of like new to that evaluation.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much like we're breaking in general, you would say that a player who was in college for three years is going to be more productive in the NFL than, than a player at four years. Um, the stuff that we kind of did in our breakdowns that are, that are available on the site, uh, what to look for at wide receiver. Um, we basically have three groups. I mean, you have, you have the the three year guys who achieved a 30% dominator at some point in their career. That's, you know, S tier. Those are the guys that you want. Um, The group right below that is four year guys who broke out in year one or year two. So that's where flowers fits in where, you know, this is someone who I think if he had come out last year, he would, if he had come out last year, he would have been in the first group, you know,
0: right. um, Where was it? He's used the four-year...
1: Olave, yeah, four-year guy as well. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember if he had the breakout or not. But, yeah, like, that kind of guy where it's like, okay, like, he he probably could have come out. I mean, it would have been pretty high on him, but he stayed the fourth year. We do ha- we do ding a little bit on the fourth year historically, but it's not at that sentence. Uh, and then you just have all these other guys, which the, the, the other guy's group is not only the older guys, but, like, also... A three-year guy who didn't break out traditionally does not pan out to be very very good um you know unless of course they had I, I think that we've probably made a lot of exceptions for guys who had a lot of competition and stuff like that and like a Jalen waddle for example you know those guys i think still have a chance but if you're like a three-year guy who's coming out and you didn't have a ton of competition you didn't break out like you're not really much different than all these other guys who who aren't breaking out or who aren't you know finding success so flowers is that second tier I tried to really lean heavily into the historical stuff in the first round of the rankings, just because that's what we're basing a lot of this on right now. And the draft capital will kind of develop as time goes on. Uh, And that kind of brings me into Scott because Scott is another one of these three-year guys of the breakout, very productive at Cincinnati, Uh, not a power five school. So, um, you know, some questions there, I guess about level of competition, but Cincinnati has played in not this past year, but I would say the two previous years, really, really high quality college football games, uh, you know, in terms of the bowls and the playoff and all that stuff. So there, he has some, pre- some premise here for competition. I think of him as basically being like a, like a Tyler Lockett type guy where, uh, again, he's going to be really fast. I think he's an arbitrage play and a guy like Hyatt, who is again, similarly fast uh, without uh, the, the level of like these, those two guys I would say don't have quite the level of production as like a downs and an Addison. And that's what separates them. But I really like Scott. I think that he's, you know, some of these mock draft sites and these aggregating sites, they they don't really have him. Like, they, they either don't have him listed or he's listed outside of the top 200. But the guys that I really care about, their opinions, you know, Dane Brugler and, and, and uh, you know, some of those, like, top scouts that you can read stuff on at The Athletic and NFL.com and all that, uh, you know, they have him, like, in, in like, the second round. And I, I kind of think that that's where he's going to end up, and that ends up being uh, – uh, a viable profile for me
0: yeah and if you are drafting prior to the actual nfl draft, drafts type of guy that you'll probably get a really good value on later in your draft not necessarily have to take him where we have him ranked and as adp and stuff starts to to formulate and we get some consensus we'll probably do another show taking a look at that and a more strategic approach to your rookie draft but uh amiko thanks so much i think this is a really good kind of like crash course to get people familiar with what they're facing in the first round based on where they are in their draft and what positions they need. If you are an ETR subscriber, please hit us up in the Discord if there's any sort of dynasty content, particularly around rookie drafts that you want to see us do moving forward. Amiko, why don't you shout out your Twitter and just anything else you want people to, to see? Yeah, hey, you can find me on Twitter at
1: Amixta. It's on the, uh, if you're watching on the video, it's right there next to my name. Very convenient. Good uh, producing there, Leone. And um, yeah, I mean, we're going to have all the dynasty stuff coming out. I mean, uh, we're going to be all over the rankings. We're going to have the profiles coming out. We have one probably by the time you're listening to this uh, on Bijan Robinson coming out on Friday. And uh, we're going to try to keep cranking those out. Last year we got through probably the first two rounds of guys. I'd like our goal to be similar this year. Uh, But definitely going to get through all the top players at every position. And, uh, you know, hopefully a couple of our favorite, you know, sleeper type guys. So keep a lookout for that.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Amiko. And appreciate everybody out there listening. Make sure rate, review us on iTunes. If you're listening there, subscribe, give us a thumbs up over on YouTube as well on the Establish to Run YouTube page. We'll see you next time.